first lesson for today is from Acts chapters 6 and 7, reading selected verses. This is this, the account, you could say, of Stephen's last day. Uh, we begin by learning who Stephen was, uh, a believer, and he became a servant to the widows. But then we see that after doing some miraculous signs, the attention was drawn to him in Jerusalem from the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious ruling body, and they were upset with him and then ultimately stoned him. This is the basis for the sermon today. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. To this he replied, You stiff-necked people! Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. The Word of the Lord. 
Christ is risen. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I highly doubt, maybe I don't highly doubt, but I really doubt that the end of your life would come about in the same way as Stephen's. What you saw in that first lesson is a testimony in Scripture that is written for your benefit. It is the story of a brother in the Lord and how he died. Correction, how he fell asleep. It's meant to encourage you because as we stand together as a throng of believers, you and I are on this side of such a sleep. We are in the group Jesus is talking about. You're one of those in the world people. And so there's a prayer for you. That somehow, not just somehow, but by God's word and the name that is given by the Father to the world, the name Jesus to protect you would remain yours. So when we gather on an Easter 7 like this, it's almost, it's not a saying goodbye. It's just a making sure that you don't leave those clean linens folded and not wrapped around a body. That You don't leave that empty tomb without the fullness, the, what did Jesus say? Without the full measure of joy within you. We refuse to go on. We refuse to go on until that joy is made complete. But as you know, as well as I do, that completed joy is also an issue. <laughs> on the one hand, Jesus says, I'm saying this out loud so they can have the full measure of joy. And on the other hand, he says, sanctify them, Lord. I s do you know that, what he's saying there? Sanctify them, Lord. He's moving you away from the corruption, the things that would spoil and rot and, and take and destroy your soul. Set you apart, far, far away. Get them into my name, Holy Spirit. Protect them by, the name, by my name so they'd be far away from the lies where the evil one is. Now we have these polar opposites, Jesus says. Keep them is the prayer. Keep them over here is the prayer of Jesus each and every day. Don't leave the empty tomb until you have grasped with your certain hope the power and the victory of our Lord Jesus. And we're going to have this church year and we're going to have another church year and we're going to have another church year to keep bringing us back to work on that. Sanctify them again and again and again by your word. Keep talking to these sinners, Jesus says. Father, Keep blessing this church, Jesus says. He's interceding for you. He said, keep putting words in their ears. Speak to their hearts to move them this way. So we have always recognized this oh, ultimatum of, ultimate of ultimates. The fact that there's one thing going on in this world. The great split between what it means to be saved in the name of Jesus 
kept, protected, and doomed to destruction under the curse of that name on the last day for those who refuse his spirit. Right? Always recognize this. But what is secondarily true and especially prominent for us today is the fact that these polar opposites are magnetic. You are in the middle of a tug of war. And that word sanctify them in Jesus' prayer is his way of saying, I remain forever committed to this, Father, Son, and Spirit, your triune God, forever at work to this, that you might be drawn deeper and deeper into the love of God and solidified and cemented in your Easter triumph that you might never taste what it is to have life without him. That's where we are today. I don't think you're going to die a death like Stephen. But I want you to picture yourself in his shoes. Once you recognize the call to confess and stand and serve God in the fullness of the Spirit is the same one that you have. Those beautiful descriptions for how you met Stephen doesn't say, oh yeah, and Stephen lived on Broadway Street over there, and Stephen had a wife and five kids, and Stephen did this, and he liked to play this, and he did this, and he's a very crafty guy. No, it doesn't talk about that. It says, Stephen, a man full of the Spirit and wisdom, and he served the church. Stephen, next time his name comes up, there's another comma. And Luke, Luke, the writer of Acts, says, I've got to say this again about him. A man full of God's grace and power. God was using his instrument in this world, named Stephen, to be a blessing to the congregation. But he also was in the world. Not of it, but he was in this world. We can recognize that he's a believer, full of the Spirit, like all believers, that he's a believer, full of God's grace, like all believers, and power. He had opportunity to do miracles in that early Christian church that gave witness and testimony to God's awesome kingdom in the world. And then there was this pull the other way. I don't know, maybe social media pulls you the other way sometimes. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's on a sidewalk. Maybe it's in a school hallway. There's pulls the other direction, your own sinful nature. Is this really that important? Does that empty tomb really give meaning to every moment of my life and have the final word at my death? Does it? Does it? And doubt finds its way to worm into your hearts too. You don't have to die like Stephen to feel the pressure of the world, the sinful tug of our sinful nature, in our confession of sins earlier today, we've, we confessed this, and I've been pulled. We have grieved your Holy Spirit, wasted time, sinful thoughts and words and actions. Did we not? We did. And we pray that God would do his work in our hearts right here, right now. Pull me back. Tell me about my Jesus. Tell me about that empty tomb and what matters most. Sanctify me far, far away. Pull me in the other direction. Please be the only magnet for me today 
and forever. Because that's legitimate. And it was a full of the Spirit, Stephen, who was tempted. Do you think it was easy to look at the gnashing of teeth? That, isn't, that was this like pain in the Sanhedrin, this hatred, the vitriol poured out because he dared speak about that Jesus guy again. He, he, he shook his finger in our faces and stuck it in our noses and said we were murderers, that we were no better than our ancestors, that we always resist the Holy Spirit. He totally threw us in the ditch. And they were so upset about it. And then you know what happened? For that Stephen stuck in the middle. Do you see what Jesus did for his servant? He said, Stephen, I'm going to open your eyes. And another expression, Stephen, full of the Spirit, saw just what he needed to see to survive the next 10 minutes before he died. He saw heaven opened. He didn't see heaven with a bar and gates and a big old lock. He didn't see heaven as a place out of reach or opportunity. He looked and he saw heaven open to him. And the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Father. Just before not only was that good for him, as you know it's good for you, but he opened his mouth and shared it. If you were to pick a moment <laughs> to talk about Jesus, just after everybody had pretty much said, we despise and hate you for your allegiance to Jesus and this thing you called discipleship, would you dare say this out loud? Why wouldn't you just keep it to your own thoughts? Your own private moment with Jesus. But somehow this was a testimony to be given in its proper time, in its valley of the shadow of death, in the presence of the enemies you prepare a table before me. And so God had given a testimony that he wanted to come off of Stephen's lips and into people's ears. Look, he doesn't just say, I see. First, he says, look, and invites those to listen in on the vision he alone had. And he said, I see heaven opened, and the Son of Man, a clear reference to Jesus and his Messiah, sitting at the right hand of the Father in glory. And that's when they grabbed his ankles, pushed him onto his back, and dragged him outside the city and grabbed those heavy softball stones and chucked them at his head. My brothers and sisters, you may not die like this, but the temptations of doubt and fear are the same, not different in their character. When your feet are being dragged out of the city, and you say to yourself, if I love my health more than I love my God, I 
could sure say something and change this story right now. If I loved my family more than this Jesus, I could sure say something to change the situation right now. If I wanted the pleasures of this world, if I had something here I dared grip and hold on to, I could sure make a change right now and say, whoa, 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 I'm sorry. Let go of my ankles. <laughs> just, just kidding. You're probably right. I'm probably wrong. And he would not be stoned to death. If he decided that this is terrible, where's the thunder and lightning from heaven? When is God going to be fed up with these sinners? I'm fed up with these sinners. Is God even real? Does he even take care of me? Really? You're going to let me be dragged out? I just preached the longest sermon in the book of Acts, or close to it. Faithful to your word. In the midst of your enemies. Now you're going to have me dragged by my ankles outside the city to be stoned to death. This is your kingdom? Despair in the word of God? Or spite? <sighs> Sanctify them by the truth. Pull me away from all things that aren't yours, Lord, because they're traps and they're enemies of the power and the victory of the empty tomb. All doubt and fear is somehow saying that Jesus' body is still in it. All doubt and fear, no matter where it comes from or how light or simple it may seem in your heart, is somehow tied to a Jesus who's still buried. Sanctify us by your name, Jesus. You're a living Savior. It's on my church sign and it's my struggle to believe it. Sanctify us by your name, Lord. Keep me far away from this. And so Stephen, full of the Spirit, gets outside the city, having been dragged, and the stones are being picked up. And he says, Lord Jesus, you victorer, you champion, you conqueror of the world, receive my spirit. Stephen owned that day. He owned that hour. He owned that moment because Jesus did. And then he prayed. From way over here, Lord, don't hold this against them. Do you hear the disciple who's learned from his Savior how to think, how to see, how to speak, how to suffer in glory? Did not Jesus say, Father, forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. Didn't Jesus say, into your hands I commit my spirit? And here's his disciple, full of the spirit that has taught him a name. The name of Jesus. How to sleep in that name. Lord, don't hold this against them. It's a prayer that says, I have no angry inkling in my heart for these who stone me. Lord, would you still give them another prophet? I know what I just said. I just said they stoned all your prophets. I just said they rejected them all. I just said they always resist the Holy Spirit. I just said they murdered the righteous one. I just said that they've had a pattern that they're continuing to follow, and now they're stoning me outside the city. Lord, would you send them another 
That's his prayer. Lord, in the victory of your patience, in your victory over sin, in your victory over all things, would you continue to work on the hearts of these who are throwing rocks at me right now? On his knees, he prays this because he understands the will of God not to condemn the will of God that didn't send lightning bolts, so I won't send lightning bolts either. Father, do not curse them. Love them, preach to them, change them for Jesus' sake because you can, because you're the only one who does. Isn't it beautiful to see someone who's owning that empty tomb and all that it means for every person on the planet, all that it means for every moment in life? He is owning that by the Spirit, by the Word, by the very thing that could guide and disciple him all his days. Brothers and sisters, may that be yours too. What are you going to say? when push comes to shove. What are you going to think in the presence of enemies, people who mistreat you and abuse your kindness? Where's your heart going to be? Let Easter find its full measure to you. Full measure of joy. You can own every day in Jesus' name, including your final day, because that's what Easter means. That's the complete gift, and it's yours. Christ is risen. risen Amen and alleluia.